Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 98, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you all the latest news from the ACHA and AAU college hockey offseason. Memorial Day weekend recap. I feel like we're in the dog days of the offseason. This was like the first week we've had where there's like really nothing on the radar. Nothing really big happened since last episode, but it was Memorial Day weekend. So uh, we'll get into it. Collins, last time we talked, you were enjoying the finer things that New York City had to offer. How did the rest of the weekend go for you? Uh, the weekend went well. We're, we're finally back home, but I enjoyed some of the finest things New York had to offer, receiving my welcome to New York moment when I got flashed by a homeless dude. Unreal. I was out getting beers with some of the Nova Hockey alumni and great bar, local district. I look up for a second and there's a homeless dude flashing me and I'm like, oh my fucking God, wild week to say the least. Met some great people, made some, some really good connections, but I'm really feeling it now just running on little sleep and trying to catch up you looked good at the nasdaq opening though i saw the fit looked sharp thank you thank you no hockey house hat unfortunately we weren't we didn't actually ring the opening bell seal sq a french semiconductor company was ipoing that day still a cool experience nonetheless to you know have the villanova logo at the at the nasdaq market site it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Next, we'll throw it over to our executive producer, David Herman. Herm, did you get to enjoy the weekend? I sure did. Took it very, very easy. We had Friday off, and then we had Monday off as well. So I got to spend some time with a couple of the Comets, their captain and the coach. Wonderful, wonderful people. We went over to their parents' house in Rome. They've got a pool. Just spent the afternoon there. Just quintessential sort of summer afternoon and evening. It was, it was wonderful. Awesome stuff. Glad to hear it. Uh, I went down to the Jersey Shore. Got my first taste of the, of, of the Jersey Shore Memorial Day weekend. Moved in on Thursday to the Barone family household, staying with my teammate, roommate, Vinny Barone here on Staten Island. And uh, we went to the shore. They got a place in Brick. So that was my first taste of it. Didn't get to go out, though. You see, look online and on TikTok, like the lines for the bars on the shore are like two hours long, like Looks like people are herding cattle outside the bars. So we stayed away from that. Spent plenty of time on their jet skis, though. My body is sore and banged up. I attempted to kneeboard. My toes are all hacked up from the, the board. Uh, I got the raspberries on my stomach from, you know, getting torn up out of the water. Broke a nail, like just down for the count. On top of that, I was struggling for so long to try to learn how to kneeboard. Got a terrible life jacket sunburn on my back uh, on the upper shoulders. So uh, the Jersey Shore got the best of me this weekend. But, you know, when we return later this summer, hopefully uh, it'll be a different result. Got to go into the city today on Tuesday and kind of just check out where I'll be working for the summer, which was really cool. Funny story, actually, Vinny was uh, taking me into the city and we were walking around and we got to the building. I didn't want to go in like I didn't I don't want to run into somebody that I'm going to see tomorrow at work while I was trying to scope it out. We're like looking at the building. And the doorman comes outside. It's like a it's like a five story building, and the office is on the second floor. The doorman comes out, and he looks at us because we're just like outside looking at the building, looking up and down. And he goes, "You guys looking for a place to graffiti?" And we're like, "No, no, sir. We're uh, we're just scoping it out." And then Vinny's like, "Yeah, this is this is my my buddy. Like he's new to the city. I'm showing him where he's got to go. He starts his job tomorrow." And he was like, "Oh, where are you working?" I'm like, oh, "I'm an interning at McKinney." And I, oh no, those people are wonderful. So I met Andrew, the doorman. So I already got an in at the building, which is really good and got to wander around, but no welcome to New York City moment for me. Maybe I'll have one next week. All in all, it was a really good weekend. I feel like anytime when you can just relax, put the phone away, 
and just enjoy it. There's nothing better because I think of like having downtime in college is just like being a lazy bum and lying in my bed scrolling through TikTok. Like to actually have relaxing downtime, whether you're getting a sunburn like me or not, it is a wonderful thing, especially this time of year. I was super intentional about it during the day as well. Like I left my phone charging inside and I was like, I'm not going to touch it for the next couple hours and to actually have genuine interactions and not be scrolling or focused on notifications or Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. So, so cathartic. All right. Well, what do we have? I mean, we don't really have a lead this week. I, I said the lead was the official start of summer, the dog days of the off season. Appreciate it. We've got some teams. We've got some news coming up. They've let us know in the DMs, which is always nice to get a head start on, on some of that stuff. Broad Design came out with another set of Big Ten jerseys. That Those seem to be the rage right now. The teams that don't have NCAA teams, we posted them. Those Big Ten teams. Lots of cool designs. Collins, I'm curious for you, what, what was like the best one that stood out to you? I I feel like most of these teams already have really cool jerseys, so wanted to get your take on them. I, I had to go with Northwestern, despite my Maryland heritage and you know loving the Maryland flag. I think the current Maryland jerseys are are way better. No offense to to Braz, it's it's hard to follow something up uh, like that. The Northwestern stuff is great. I love the I've always loved the logo and the colorway. You don't really have too many purple schools out there, so yeah, love it. And big shout out too to the. Uh, Northwestern women's lacrosse team national championship. Uh, they call them the Lake Show because the, their lacrosse field is right on the the lake. That would be a sick venue for an outdoor game if Northwestern could figure out to do a, a rink there right on. Uh, oh, I should know. I was in Chicago. What, what's the? Is it Lake Michigan? It would be Lake Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, if they could do an outdoor game there on that field with the bleachers and then overlooking Lake Michigan, that'd be really cool for Northwestern. Their alternate right now has like the baby blue and the purple and the red. They got a nice play on that. Uh, Herm, who are you taking in the in this Big Ten rebrand? I was going with Purdue, exactly like the type of jersey I would make for a team in Eshel. That's exactly uh, what I love to see around the ACHA. Perfect color balance, and I am a sucker for off-white jerseys. Them integrating just a, a light lighter off-white is the base and then a darker one as an accent is perfect for me yeah and i think he went with the uh the script from the purdue drum i think that's where the the basis of that design came from too so that was really cool and not like the most insane design i love the iowa one because i feel like if iowa were to get ncaa hockey that is exactly what the jerseys would look like that was my go-to not that it's like anything crazy design wise he hit the nail on the head that's exactly what iowa would look like if, if they joined the big 10 for hockey and um of course if we're talking big 10 and, and going ncaa i feel like our spotlight's got to be on penn state because they definitely have the formula for going from acha to the big 10 so got to give those boys a shout out and everything that they did but obviously helps when you get a, an arena like they do on campus so would have to see something like that happen i know a lot of people talk about illinois when you talk big 10 but i feel like that ship has kind of sailed recently a lot of comments uh, people saying you know maybe maryland or rutgers would be the teams that join the big 10 next so definitely something to keep an eye on in the future. I would love to see Northwestern go. I feel like Chicago needs a college hockey team. I second Rutgers, but I do not see Maryland going D1 anytime in the future. Just knowing the hockey culture around here, they're they're close enough to DC that they can get some of those fans. But to be honest, nobody really cares about college hockey around here. So yeah, I think it would probably be Rutgers that would be going D1. Herm, this, this popped up on my For You page, but I saw you give it a shout out to the IUP uh, media team for their TikTok kind of recapping the season, showing what it's like to be behind the scenes of an ACHA team. I thought they did a really good job of that. Good little snapshot, 30 seconds, no more, no less, full of 
exciting moments behind the scenes. You said it, great variety. I'm a big fan of what they do on social. All the way from the start of the season with Hockey House All-Star Gavin Morrison spraying the, the media team. Do you remember that whole controversy of people in our comments section being like, oh my goodness, it's so dangerous to all the way through the season up to Nationals. It was it was really cool to see. Mental note, let's get that on the feed tomorrow. I got to go back and save that. So saw this on social media too, but Adrian announced that they're looking for a new puck sponsor for next season. You can get your logo on the back of the Adrian College pucks. Uh, I thought, you know, it would be funny if we chimed in and said that, but I, we, we don't have that in the budget right now. So it'd probably be much better to have someone locally sponsor those pucks. So I wanted to get your opinion, Collins, if, if Villanova needed a puck sponsor, who are you going with? I'm going straight to Wawa. We've been trying to get them as a sponsor for quite a long time. A couple years ago when you when the NHL announced jersey sponsors and we did that that post, it had Drexel with the Wawa logo. We were furious. We were so furious because the CEO of Wawa is a Villanova guy. His daughter goes to Villanova. There's a strong Villanova connection. So we were pretty livid, but I think that's who we would go to. We we run on that every single day after practice. There's at least one van stopping at Wawa to get, you know, core power, body armor or whatever. That's it's, it's addicting, to be honest. I've probably spent way too much money there. We got to bring that back. Maybe we should do another post and, and have Villanova with the Wawa Jersey Patch sponsorship. One thing that stood out to me, like my parents were like, what was like the craziest thing you saw on the Jersey Shore this weekend? We went to we mini golfed and we got done at like 11 and we went we wanted ice cream, but everywhere was closed. So we walked across the street to Wawa. You would have thought that there was a middle school dance going on in there. It was 11 o'clock at night, probably 8th, 9th, 10th graders. I mean, I was waiting for like the Black Eyed Peas to come on, maybe some Tayo Cruz, because this place was rocking with middle schoolers, just unattended, no adults in sight. You couldn't move in there. The poor workers were fighting for their lives, trying to whip up milkshakes and whatever they could at this hour. Got in there, got my pint of Ben and Jerry's that I paid, and I got out of there as fast as I could because it was greasy in there. On that note, Herm, Herm, what's the, what's the puck sponsor for you? I think the realistic answer for OU is probably Jackie O's, just given how much they support the team as it is. The boys, however, would love the CI. They're already a jersey sponsor for the men's two team, but it just doesn't fly with the men's one. I'm sure that they would absolutely go bananas for that. Yeah, I, I was kind of going to go a similar route with Syracuse. Dave Portnoy said it was the best bar town in the country. So maybe let's get the orange crate uh, logo on the back of the pucks. The mascot's like an orange uh, with a baseball hat. So maybe you throw like a hockey helmet on that. And, and I don't know, maybe that's the alternate logo for the next time they take away the block S. So I, I think that would be pretty cool on the back of the pucks. But I, it's funny. It's like, what are teams doing in the offseason? Like some teams are looking for coaches. Some teams are trying to design new jerseys and other teams are looking for puck sponsors. So love to see that kind of stuff going on. I thought it'd be cool to bring up for Memorial Day. I wanted to see like what places had the best anthems because I feel like maybe 4th of July is more of a not that Memorial Day is not patriotic, but 4th of July is like rah, rah, USA, that kind of stuff. And Memorial Day, I feel like the content's a little more somber and, you know, remembering those who served our country. So I wanted to see like who had the best national anthems and some of the results we got were amazing. So I wanted to highlight those ones, but 
I mean, we ended up posting this clip, the clip of the the screaming eagles is what they called the fan section at Embry-Riddle. Girl is singing the national anthem. The microphone cuts out. They start singing the anthem. And then by the end of it, the microphone turns back on. It sounds like an NHL arena because you can hear the singer, but she's getting overpowered by the fans singing along. That was a great one. Uh, we had a couple of band submissions, Saginaw Valley State in Kentucky. They have the bands play the anthems. Collins, I saw you mentioned George Mason has the band play as well so that's pretty cool great rendition from john touchy at robert morris we had of course james witherbright at delaware a couple of family ones we had sydney higgins at ohio that's ryan higgins sister she sang the anthem and then at syracuse on senior night we had connor flanagan's mom sing the anthem which was really cool one of my favorite ones i I feel like i've talked about this on the show before but i always get a kick delaware plays a recording of carrie underwood singing the national anthem before i it must have been when she did it for before the Preds when they were gone their run to the Stanley Cup final. I just always get a kick like they kill the lights and and they play the recording of Carrie Underwood. So maybe that can be a running joke that Carrie Underwood's just a really big Drexel hockey fan. Herm, I mean, you spent plenty of time at OU like did, was there one anthem singer? Did they switch it up every game? How how did that go? It was a pretty consistent rotation. We had Stephanie Rinaldi for a lot of games and then it would rotate. We had a couple of times, if I remember correctly, it was it was special occasions where we would have the marching 110 come in for games and they'd have kind of their own section uh, and they would do their rendition of the national anthem, which was always sick. Bird always gets up for the national anthem. Collins, I can't even, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna give it to you straight. I can't even remember what the anthem sounded like at, at Villanova when we went down there. Are, they, are we ripping the recording there? Yeah, it's just a recording of like the, the U.S. military band. Solid national anthem, pretty stock though. We're leaving out the best na- uh, national anthem singer at nationals, Margaret Dixon, stat person galore and national anthem singer. She killed it. So big shout out to her. But yeah, ours is ours is pretty stock over at Nova. Nothing special about it. American and Canadian national anthems with the French touch, too. Yeah, no, it was unreal listening to that. She she absolutely killed it. And how about Andy Storrs too? He he comes out, he belts that out every single time. He does it so good and so consistently at nationals that you would think it is a recording. I think the first couple of times in St. Louis, I thought it was too. I didn't realize it was Andy Storrs, the PA announcer, getting up and going on the ice every time to do the anthem. And Margaret did that as well too. You got to when you're on rink one in Marlboro, you got to get out on the ice and sing it. So nice touch uh, for Memorial Day to kind of highlight some of the best anthems from around uh, the leagues. Uh, Wanted to give some stick taps this week. Just got a text from former guest Jack McGrath. Uh, the UMass grad, national champion. He's been officially been commissioned as an officer in the Marines. Uh, he posed for a photo with all of the boys with the cup and, and all of them on the staircase. He's in full uniform. Nothing better than that. Such a cool story. Learned about it when we were in Marlboro and to have him on the podcast talk about wanting to serve his country and um, he's well on his way to doing that. So it was cool to see the boys be so appreciative of all the effort that he's done on that end. But Herm, we got a very special stick tap. This was like right, not breaking news, but we found out about this right before the podcast. So Jack Taverna, who is a goaltender for St. Thomas at the ACHA men's two level, was recently named the best hockey player from the entire country of Guatemala. You can check on Jack's EP that he was born in Guatemala City, Guatemala. He had a 7-0-0 record uh, last season, posting a shutout and a 1-8 GAA with the mighty St. Thomas Tommies. 
Yeah, pretty pretty cool stuff. Like you mentioned, Herm made sure to fact check that one before we got started on recording, so we we weren't getting bamboozled or, or pranked by anyone. But very cool. Surprised we didn't hear about that at nationals, to be honest. Herm, also too, you were doing the notes this week. We got some guys calling shots. Yes, we do. Uh, so Ryan Lupp, who played at the University of Delaware ACHA men's one, said Delaware sweeps Pitt in the season series. I'm going to toss it over to our resident Eshel expert over here. Murph, what are your thoughts on that? I don't really know. I it's tough because I feel like when you're when you're coming back, you're like paying attention to who's graduating from each team. I just know like the guys that that were my age and graduating. I don't really know how much Pitt has coming back for them. Delaware, I I feel like they're just on the verge every year. Pitt's the the stronger team, uh, at least recently, but they usually play each other early on in the season, which can be an advantage if, if I don't know, if you're the underdog and you can catch them by surprise. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if that happened. But to get a sweep, I mean, Pitt's a really good team. I, I feel like you could maybe catch them off guard for one game, but they would they would rebound for a second game, in my opinion. Eli Baumstark said Mizzou hockey is making a statement next year and finishes top five in the ACHA men's three national ranking. I don't think that's that crazy. I mean, they, it was one of those things where I feel like they were having fun and then they were winning games and they got to nationals and they're like, Oh oh my gosh, like we, we might be one of the best teams here. Then it was like, they had to play hope. The wheels flew off the wagon against hope. I think it was like what eight, nothing, something like that. One of those games where it's like, (laughs) you're, you're wishing it's a summer game in Marlboro where they just go to running time, but it was tough way for them to end their season. But I think now they know like they're, they're a good team in, in M3 and I'm sure that gives them a lot of confidence going into i was talking with the kansas coaches that's the border battle between mizzou and and kansas and mizzou really gave it to them this year so it stinks when your rivals beat you like that but i mean you look at like unc nc state nc state beat unc all these years and then who was it this year was unc getting the the upper hand on them so it would be good for the acha if mizzou was good because i think it, it makes those teams around them much better I just got to say, shout out to both of these guys. I mean, the fucking cojones on these two guys. Call your shot this early before the season. We're, we're, we're nowhere near the beginning of the season. Big ups to those guys. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have the ability to do that. I, I like to give it a week or two before uh, before we start calling some shots. But I can easily see both of these things happening. Really cool interview this week. Brennan Studioso of Arizona State joins us, a guy we've been trying to get on for a long time now, but you know, we had to get through the Nationals recap stuff and, and all the offseason stuff that came at the end of the year, and glad that he could take the time to join us this week. He's been traveling a ton and, and really enjoying life since graduation, and just an unbelievable story. You know, Got called up to the NCAA team at the end of the year, scored in his first game, and he kind of walks us through in the interview what it was like to, to get the call, what the level of play was like, how he adjusted to that. Uh, we talk a bit, too, about you know Oceanside Arena closing and, and all that stuff. So a lot, of, a lot of really fun talk and some Pac-12 talk as well. Uh, but as always, it's brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports helps your team have the opportunity to build and manage your website. They make it super easy. It's built by guys who played in the ACHA, so it's easy to use, especially this time of year when you're transferring over information data to the next guys who are running your club or team, or maybe you're getting a new coach and they're going to be in charge of the website. Perfect use of this. They especially want to bring this up because now you can pay your player dues through Optimax 
a lot of teams have been using Venmo. You don't want to have that much money being transferred in Venmo. So make sure you're using OptumX Sports for that. And as always, you can use our referral link at OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod to learn more. And without further ado, we'll turn it over to our interview this week with Brendan Studioso of Arizona State. We're pleased to be joined by an ACHA legend now, a former Arizona State Sun Devil, number 21, Brendan Studioso. Stu, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, I feel like this is a, a kind of a long time coming. It feels like months ago that you made your debut at the NCAA level for ASU. I understand you just got back from a, a big trip. Where'd you go? Oh, uh, yeah, I was actually in Europe, me and a couple of my buddies from the ACHA team. We planned a trip a few months ago to go to Amsterdam, then Paris, and then spend a little bit of time in Italy. We actually were trying to go for the uh, F1 race in Imola and ended up getting rained out. So we ended up not being able to go to the race. So we ended up audibling and going to Rome for a couple of days. So it was pretty fun. Uh, one of the questions we got we got asked was from one of your buddies, Connor Deneen. He said, uh, please ask him about the Airbnb in Italy. We were at one of the clubs and we uh, we got a couple bottles there and we were we were buzzing at the club, obviously. And somehow I don't know how I ended up outside, but I don't know if I was thrown out or what happened. But I ended up outside and my phone was dead. And I was just like, you know what, I'll try and make it back to the house and see what happens. And I got like halfway there and I met some people and I was like, hey, am I going the right way? And they like, oh, yeah. And they walked me basically to the, to the house and I got up to the Airbnb and I was got my phone plugged in. I went to uh, call the guys and they ran all the way there. They were like 10 minutes away and they got, they got, they didn't know where I was. And when I called them and told them I was at the house, they're like, oh, perfect. So they came over and I was excited to like tell them I was at the house and every Airbnb we were at in Italy so far, all the doors just shut normally. And I was like, oh, I don't need the keys. I'll just go down and I'll just shut the door and I'll let them in. And I walked down the stairs and as soon as I shut the door, I heard a click and I was like, no way. I turned and tried to open our door immediately and I didn't have the keys. We only had one set of keys and the door locked and I was like, no way. So I walked downstairs and I was super excited just to see the guys again. And then I ended up having to tell them like, yeah, we're probably sleeping outside tonight. I don't have the keys. So we had to wait. It was probably like four or five in the morning and we had to wait till nine o'clock until the guy came and he thankfully let us stay there for, for a few extra hours. But yeah, we we're supposed to check out at like 11 and we got let back in at nine o'clock after not sleeping. So it was quite the experience down there. Well, I thought that was going to be the whole story right there is just you making it back to the Airbnb with a dead phone, but that's unreal. I I couldn't believe it. It was like even we went to a hotel the next day and even at that hotel, you had to put a key in and actually lock your door. So it was pretty ironic. The only place we ended up going to that locked the, the door locked was at that place where I was by myself. So it was kind of funny, but in the end, but at the moment, I think some of the boys weren't, weren't super happy with me. Was this a, a post-graduation trip? Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, we planned it. The other guys graduated last year, but they were really big F1 fans. And I was like, yeah, it's a great time to go to Italy because I actually have some uh, family out in Italy. Like half my family lives in Italy. So we got to actually meet up with them too. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, it's kind of a post-graduation deal. And then actually uh, the Memorial Cup's going on right now. And my dad used to be a big WHL fan. That's kind of how I even got into hockey. But we're from Seattle. He used to go to the Thunderbirds games all the time. So the Thunderbirds are in it this year. So I decided to go back up to uh, Canada with him for a couple of weeks. Oh, it looks gorgeous. I can't believe the the views outside the arena. Have you guys been to a game yet? Yeah, yeah. We went to, uh, I think we went to all four so far. I think there's like 10 games and we're here for like the whole week and a half. So my dad, my dad has a few friends that have gone to like every Memorial Cup for like the past like 30 years or something. So it's good to catch up with them. They know a lot about all the, all the games. So it's cool. 
Wow, that's unbelievable. So you mentioned graduation and and that you were a, a double major. That's like what what's the plan now after the dust settles? Probably done with hockey. I think I'm probably going to move up to Scottsdale. And um, there's a couple of financial firms up there that I'm looking at, like Charles Schwab, for instance. A couple of my teammates work there already, so I might try and get a job there. Right now, I'm just trying to get a couple of vacations, and I didn't really get a vacation for past like 23 years, basically. So it was good to get a couple of vacations in. That's awesome. Well, I, I feel like the Memorial, I mean, people talk like these sporting events, like Little League World Series, Memorial Cup, like those big events, March Madness, you know, that, that seems up there in terms of bucket list uh, places to be. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like biggest tournament people really think about, but when you're actually there and it's in the moment, the games are pretty tense. So it's pretty fun to be at. You mentioned being from the Seattle era, Everett in particular. Like, what was that like growing up there? Because I feel like maybe the hockey landscape looks a little different today with the addition of the Kraken than it did when you were growing up. Definitely. I actually went back for this playoff run to watch the Kraken for the first time. And the hockey atmosphere has grown a lot in Seattle. I think my generation kind of growing up was like the first big hockey group. And then it's been getting bigger and bigger every year so um it's been cool to see that and i ended up playing uh, hockey from like age four to like 15 in seattle so i was there for a while now were you uh a canucks fan growing up and now you're a kraken fan because they have a team like what what was that (laughs) fandom like yeah, I was actually just talking to somebody yesterday. The Canucks are the closest team, and they're probably my least favorite team, to be honest. I'm a really big Calgary Flames fan, and then with the Kraken, I probably have 1A and 1B now. Yeah, I used to be a really big Flames fan growing up. One of my best friends, who's still on that, my ACHA team now, he used to be a big Flames fan. I think I was just like, yeah, it feels like the right team. They had a Gimla back then and Kippersoft, so it was really fun to watch them play. Awesome stuff. You were actually drafted in the WHL by the Everett Silvertips. What was that process like? Were, were a lot of kids in the area? Was that just because it was the it was the team, or was that something that was a special opportunity for you? Me and my good buddy, we were kind of like two of the better guy, players, I guess, around the area, and we had a couple AAA options. But that year specifically, it wasn't like. There wasn't a really good AAA option for, I think, 15-year-olds, I think it was, or 14-year-olds, whatever age it was. And we decided to play one year of AA, actually. We played a like a little bit lower skill level, and I had probably like 110 points. My buddy had like 80 points as a defenseman. So that caught their eye, and we were just kind of in their backyard. So we were we were always kind of talking with them, and I wasn't really expecting to be drafted. And then I was at school one day, and um, I got a call from uh, the GM, and I was that was a pretty cool day. But yeah, I wasn't really necessarily expecting to, but playing down in double A, I was playing for the Everett Junior Silver Tips. So I think it kind of made sense for them. Yeah. I mean, that looks good on the resume looking back on it. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a cool experience. Got to meet some cool people through there. And um, I wish it would have probably worked out a little bit better. But my first camp, I got a pretty bad concussion. So it didn't really put me on a great path with that with them. But um, that would have been awesome. You mentioned playing in Everett until you're about 15 years old. What was next after that? Looking at elite prospects, you went down to Dallas and played. Like, At what point did you decide that it was time to move away from home? Yeah, it was kind of like that one year where we didn't have that AAA option. It was kind of going back into that same phase where we got the one AAA year. The next year, we had a new coach, and it wasn't going to be the same system. And there was just a little bit of issues in the program that one year. So my dad kind of was looking out elsewhere, and me and my good, the other friend that I had that had the other on the AA team we both looked at dallas and uh, we went down and visited there and it seemed like a great spot and it was actually it's probably the most favorite spot i've played and i was only there for a year but yeah we got in contact with the coach and there was they were in the tier one elite league and the year before i played in the uh naphl so it was uh it was nice to get to uh the tier one elite league and get that like people watch me in that league 
And then after that, you spent the next two years with the North Iowa Bulls. You got to be captain when you were there, too, or three seasons in, in yeah. Northern Iowa. What was that like? What were some of your favorite memories playing in the NA3? Yeah, a lot for my first year. I didn't, I was going, to, I was in Dallas. And I didn't know if I wanted to play U18 or, or go to play juniors. And uh, the coach called me, and one of my other friends that I played with was on the team. And he was just like, it was way cheaper. It was, it was expensive to obviously build it in Dallas and then play hockey down there. So it just made a lot more financial sense for me to play in the NA3. And um, in North Iowa, we were kind of a, it was a much smaller town. It's not very big. So uh, it's a little bit off the highway too. So you kind of had to get out. There was a little bit of a trek, but we were kind of the celebrities of the town. So it was kind of cool to be, you know, in that atmosphere. I think that's kind of why I was there for three years and was okay playing in the NA3 for that long. I was just, the atmosphere there was, is one of the most, it was probably like the biggest and best atmosphere in the NA3. I don't know if any other team really had what we had. So it was really cool to be kind of like the celebrity in the, in the city. And then I, yeah, I got to be captain. So that was, that was really cool. My last year. You also had a stint with the Fairbanks Ice Dogs and the Minnesota Wilderness in the Nall. I have to ask about, you know, playing for the Ice Dogs. Did you have to fly to Alaska or did, were those two games that you played with them in the 48 states here? Yeah, I actually, my first time in Alaska was with the NCAA team. So when I played with them in the Nall, I, uh, we were in Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, all around there. And we... I think we started in like Aston, then we went down to Jamestown. We were kind of going all over, but I was living in a hotel for like three weeks to do a month with them. So that was a bit interesting. And then I didn't know if that was kind of the path I wanted to go down. And I had a couple teams in Minnesota. So, but it was cool to play with them and kind of experience that on the road type of atmosphere. It was probably, I mean, not many other teams go for a month in a hotel. So it was definitely interesting to do that, but it was, uh, it was fun. I met some cool guys on that team and uh, it was fun to be with them for that month. As your, your junior career is coming to an end, like where were you starting to look for colleges? How did you end up at ASU? 80 to 90% of the teammates that I had in North Iowa, they all went in to the D3 level. So I was just, obviously that was what I was tailored to. And I went and I toured maybe like five or six different D3 schools and I had options in most of all of them. And I lived in Iowa. I think it was that third year in Iowa. I was just like, I don't know if I can live with the snow anymore. My cousin, actually, he went down to Arizona State and he was playing on the team the year before I played. So I went and I, I was talking with him and I stayed with him for a weekend and went down to party for a little bit and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, like, how could I not want to play here? So that's kind of what brought me here. Was that something that you talked about with your coaches in Iowa or even your teammates? You mentioned seeing a lot of those guys go the NCAA D3 route. Did they give you funny looks when you said that you were going to go play ACHA hockey in Arizona? Yeah, I don't think many of them necessarily understood it because obviously they were they've been growing up like obviously like those eighty to ninety percent also lived in Minnesota, so it was like most of our team was from Minnesota. They all lived in the state of hockey, so they know they've been doing hockey their whole lives. So um, they were definitely like a little bit confused, but the whole time I was there, I was always the West Coast boy because most of them were all from Minnesota. So they already they could tell like if I had the option to go to Sun, they wouldn't have been too surprised. Any other ACHA schools in the South that you considered going to? Um, I actually looked at a couple, like a couple places in Texas, um, but they were all in like Florida. They were all like uh, D two level though, and I was just like, I don't know if I want to do D two. And then my cousin was at ASU, and I was just like, oh, let's go down and tour it. And I decided to tour it once, and I was like, yeah, this is this would be a great spot to go to college. You end up in Tempe, you know, fall of 2019. What was your welcome to the ACHA moment for you? It was probably the first game. Like, obviously, I was playing NA3, which isn't the best, but I kind of assumed the ACHA would be a little bit worse. And 
because I watched only one or two games. And I was like, oh, I think I could do pretty well out here. But we were playing actually uh, UNLV. I was like, oh, they'll probably be all right. Like who, who goes to school in Vegas? Because I'd actually never been to Vegas at then. And then we played them the first game. And I think we got waxed. And I was like, well, that's the, the, the ACHA is a pretty good league. That's a good team. And then the next day we ended up winning like an overtime or something. So it was it was a fun weekend at the end. But yeah, that first game, it was definitely maybe my first shift. I think I got out there and probably got hammered once. And I was like, OK, this is this is going to be real hockey out here. You had a, a crazy senior season, but you mentioned beforehand that you had a lot of fun memories from your freshman year. I think I, lo- I mean, looking back on my time freshman year, too, you're you're so wide eyed, like everything is new to you. You get to travel to all these new places. What are some of those memories that you took away from? Uh, in that 2019-2020 season? Um, yeah, a lot of it was at the rink, but I mean, a lot of it had to do with there was probably eight of us living in a pretty close proximity in the dorm. So when we were away from the rink, we were just causing havoc and whatnot. But when we got to the rink, we weren't taking it too serious that year, I think, because we were all kind of naive freshmen still trying to do school. And we were all like, it was just a lot of fun. Everybody was having fun. And we were doing, we, were, we would beat a couple of good teams. We obviously had a couple of bad losses, but that first year uh, was the only year I actually made nationals. So it was uh it was definitely a fun hockey year probably the most fun hockey year that i was there and the older guys actually that year did a really good job like palumbo and kowalchuk just to name a few like the only reason i was actually able to double major was from our captain austin palumbo he sat down with me and my uh my buddy and he told us like oh it's actually not too hard to double major if you're looking at two degrees within the same uh, wp carry and whatnot and the older guys really did a good job bringing us in and making us just have a lot of fun our, our year not really caring too much because i think the the year before they only won like four or five games so they didn't necessarily expect to win so when we started winning it was definitely a lot more fun as well that's funny i feel like people look look down on asu because of maybe the the party scene and here you have freshman year you got older guys on the team telling you to take more classes yeah yeah that that's true it didn't it wasn't too hard it was only like a four or five extra classes and he yeah he showed us like you can take classes in community college and stuff to save some money so he was giving us a little bit of the hacks at asu for say or just ways to make it a little bit easier on us to get to the rink every day and whatnot you mentioned wanting to get away from the cold and the snow of northern iowa and even you know seattle too the cold weather there what was something that stood out to you your freshman year being a hockey player in arizona my first week here it was probably like 110 out and i was like woof did i make the right choice this is hot once it gets to like uh november december like that's when you're like wow this is a great spot to be like you can go outside and you it's all it's still sunny it's basically like you can kind of get the same day every day which is for some people would be bad but when it's sunny i guess you can definitely take that so definitely being out of the snow not having to worry about crashing my car driving down the, the road or whatever that's always nice Definitely was excited to get out of the snow, that's for sure. What was uh, your favorite place that you traveled to? You mentioned going to UNLV for the start of the season. Were there any other places that you guys got to go to in your first season? We didn't do a whole lot of traveling our, our first season. We did a whole, definitely a memorable bus trip all the way to, to Utah. I think that was like 14 hours or something. But definitely going to Vegas for the first time. I wasn't, I'd never, obviously never been there before. And I just turned 21. So it was my first time being able to stay after those games and hang out with a couple of the friends there. So Vegas was definitely probably the coolest place just because of what you can do after hockey. But I mean, Oklahoma, that's pretty close to Texas. So I got to see some of my friends there. That was pretty cool, too, just because I got a couple of them actually go to that school and play on the team. So it was cool to see them. Awesome. 
Um, and you mentioned getting to make nationals freshman year, probably would have been a really cool opportunity going down to Texas again, uh, had things worked out the way that they were supposed to talk a little bit about your sophomore year. Um, what was it like on campus being at, at, at ASU? Were there a lot of restrictions? Did you guys have to, were you doing practice skates the whole year? Did you guys kind of know that you weren't really going to get to play? What was that like? Yeah, I think like probably like the first quarter of the school year, we weren't even allowed to meet up or anything like you obviously had to wear a mask on campus every morning. You had to wake up and like turn your phone on and do like a daily health check. So the school wasn't liable if you like got people sick or whatever at school. But yeah, they definitely took like precautions. A lot of our our school went online. So I think that whole year I was basically doing online school, too. So that was a little bit different. But yeah, just wearing when we, when we actually went to campus, we had to wear uh, masks. And then for for hockey, we didn't really have much. The school wouldn't let us actually play anybody or like set up sanctioned events. So we kind of had to set up like a beer league, for say, with the uh, the ice rink, Oceanside, that obviously isn't there anymore. But yeah, Oceanside did a great job. They set up like kind of like a beer league for the ASU guys. And uh, we had like a three on three or four on four tournament that we ran. And we were making trades. Like I was one of the captains and we were, we had to like make a trade every week. So it was interesting kind of doing that. And they just kind of made it fun for us. But we didn't do any like team practices or anything that year. We weren't really allowed to wear. We couldn't wear anything that had ASU if we were going to be in a group of more than like five people or something. So it was they were they were just really strict on that type of stuff. So we weren't able to actually play any games or anything. I'm sure it was tough too, in the, in the same sense that you're there and the, and the NCAA team is playing. But how how cool was it to see when your teammates Bronson Moore get the call up to the NCAA team during that year? Yeah, that was awesome. He was playing with us in that uh, that league. I think he was one of the captains as well. So I was making trades with him, and then one day he was like, "Yeah, they they need an extra goalie," and he got that opportunity. And I was like. Didn't really think that that came around too often. So I was definitely super excited for him. And he actually got to get in there a couple games. So that was that was really cool to see that. And um, but now he's a super nice guy. And I was super excited for him because he definitely deserved it. He was probably the anchor of our team our freshman year. He definitely won us more games than, than we probably should have. And probably one of the reasons we made nationals that year. So he definitely deserved it. And it was it was really cool to see that happen. Fast forward to junior year. Um, what was that like just kind of getting back out there? You mentioned that there was a lot of momentum from your freshman year. The team was better than expected. You know, take a long pause like that. How did you guys kind of carry that momentum into the start of your junior year and your second season at ASU? A lot of a lot of the other teams got to practice and stuff. And I think that was kind of where it was pretty hard to keep the momentum. Like we were obviously having a lot of fun. We weren't really taking hockey too serious because we were basically just playing in a beer league. So getting back into it, I think we struggled a little bit. And I think we came out the gates that year a little bit, a little bit slow. And then um, we eventually got to there's a big tournament in Chicago that we got pretty much embarrassed there. So after that tournament, we decided that we wanted to make a change. We didn't want to be part like we wanted. Obviously, ASU is a party school, but we also want to have like a respectable club team. We don't want to go up there and lose 12 to zero against someone or 12 to one. So after that moment, I think I'll, especially all the freshmen that year, we knew we had to try and make a change and make a push for nationals. So um, we ended up just going away from our coach and we got brought a new coach to see if that would spark us. And I think we ended up going nine and two after that. So we got some momentum and I think we just ended up missing out the nationals by one spot sophomore year or junior. So that was pretty disappointing, but the end was pretty emotional. Honestly, we were not, it didn't look like we would even come close to coming 500 and we ended up tying U of A in the cactus cup and then also becoming 500. So that felt pretty nice after starting out the year, probably like four and 
10 or something. It was just, it was a rough start. So going, ending up like nine and two was, that was special. And then you head into senior year, pretty cool opportunity for you guys to start the year. I think there's a lot of talk um, lately. It seems like Grinelli over at Spit and Chicklets is all in on the Pac-12 getting hockey someday. And uh, you guys get to open up against Oregon, new to Division One ACHA, but they packed the barn that weekend. What was that atmosphere like? That that brought me back to Mason City. That was uh that was crazy. That might have been more crazy than Mason City. That might have been the most old school style game I've ever seen. Like the Oregon guys, like they made a whole they had that frat line of people that would they lay lined us up to go out on the ice and they were all just yelling at us. Like they were like two inches away from us. It was crazy. Like that first game in Oregon, I'd never seen something like that. It was the ice. There were so many people in there that the ice started to like melt. Like the, the puck wouldn't really like move very well. I think either us or the other team or Oregon end up scoring a goal because the puck really just stopped right in front of the net or something. So that was a crazy game. Like we had beers being thrown into our, our bench. Our goalie got his hat stolen from him off the bench. It was crazy. And then the game, I think we won like six to five. It, it was looking like we were going to run away with it. And then Oregon scored with like 30 seconds or maybe like 10 seconds left. And then they won the draw and then they almost scored again right after. And I was like, oh man, that was probably the craziest atmosphere I've ever played in. There was probably like, they packed the place. It was probably only met for a few thousand and they, they it was frat night. So every single frat at Oregon was there. Like whoever brought the most amount of frat guys, I think they got free tickets for the whole year. So they were getting rowdy. That was definitely a cool game. And I'm glad we ended up getting the win. And I scored a pretty crucial goal in that game. So that was fun. Now that's probably the, the, the closest you ever got to playing at home in Seattle in your college career. Did the family get to make it out for that one? Oh yeah, absolutely. A lot of my, uh, my family, I have a couple of family members in Oregon, so they came out and yeah, that was really cool. That was, that was definitely once in like a, a lifetime, I guess, being able to go back and play against Oregon. My mom was the biggest Oregon fan growing up. So she thought it was really cool to play. And even after the games, we went out with, uh, some of those guys. And even that guy that the number 18 who passed away, like we went out with him and they were super cool. So condolences to him and his family. That was, I mean, Eugene was, was cool. I'd actually never been there and it was cool to actually go out with those guys after the game. They're they're super cool. Again, yeah, it's crazy the places that that hockey can take you. I think while we're on the the subject of the Pac-12, I think we were remiss not to mention your rivals in the Cactus Cup, the U of A Wildcats. What's it like playing in Tucson? Yeah, I guess that atmosphere is is pretty crazy too. At least there, they have like you know you can't just have like a whole ring of people uh, walking you out, but. There, they'll pack like three, four thousand, maybe even five thousand people in there, and they're all screaming FASU. It's it's pretty funny, but those are definitely like freshman year. I was nervous probably to play those games. Those were like the most nerve wracking games. But come to senior year, I was just like, when's the next U of A game? Like, I can't wait to go down there. And then we actually got to play them in Mullet Arena, and that was really special. That was probably my most. That was probably my favorite game we played out of my whole uh, college career. Talk about that one a little bit. Mullet Arena opens up this year. I mean, if we go down a rabbit hole here, but I know the Coyotes moving in wasn't exactly planned when they built, built Mullet Arena. Original plan, and correct me if I'm wrong, was that Oceanside was going to close and that you guys would probably skate out of that practice rink at Mullet. The Coyotes come to town. It throws a wrench in everyone's plans. When Mullet opened, was there any talk of you guys practicing there or was it like, we'll keep Oceanside open for now? The, definitely initially when we heard about the new rink, we were supposed to have like a locker room and all that stuff. 
stuff. And I think shortly after that was probably like a few weeks. We were like, oh, yeah, we'll have our own locker room. Like we'll play out of there. And then a few weeks later, we heard about the Coyotes moving in. And then they're like, yeah, I don't think you guys will really be playing out of there much. That's probably the only bad thing about the Coyotes coming to, to Tempe. It kind of the club hockey team was kind of the people that got put in the back seat there. But we definitely we got to play a game. And I think next year they'll be practicing and playing as many games out of mold as they can. But we got that one game lined up. I think it was like a Wednesday. It was just during the week. It was like one of the only days they had to let us play. And um, U of A came up. We packed as much as we could. We put out as many flyers and whatnot. I think we had like maybe a thousand people there that because they, they kept them all on one side. So it was cool when you when I celebrated, I was able to go right in front of everyone. So um, that was a really fun game, though. It went to overtime and I got to score the game winner with one of my teammates sticks. So it was pretty funny. Yeah. How'd that happen? I can't remember when my stick broke. I think it broke at some point in, in the third and being I've already I already broke like three or four sticks this year and I just didn't have any more. And I was like, oh, I think I can get through the mullet game without having to use another one. And of course, after I scored like my first goal, I needed to borrow a stick. And thankfully, one of my teammates let me use the stick and he was like, oh, yeah, you can have it. And then after I had the, the hat trick, magically, he used it next game. It was kind of funny, but we went down to San Diego and you had like two or two or three goals too so that stick was definitely money but we were actually in the overtime i wasn't really supposed to go out and all right i like called somebody off to change because they were about to have a two-on-one down the other way and i kind of jumped way early and i got, ended up being able to break up the play when i broke up the play everyone was tired and i just got out there so i got a breakaway and i was able to score it was pretty pretty fun moment and definitely uh, one of my favorite goals i scored out of my whole college career and it's crazy you score that goal in overtime and it feels like the the last opportunity you get to, to play at mullet arena and uh that would that would be wrong. And a couple days days later, weeks later, how how close was it when you got a text uh, that you were going to get the call up? When I think it was in my Thursday class going into our last week against uh, U of A, and Coach Powers texted me and usually, oh, give me a call whenever you can. I, my class just started, so I had to basically sit on it for like an hour. And I'm like, I, I kind of thought maybe like a pro team just t- contacted him to like see if I was wanting to play like in Europe or something. And I I really wasn't expecting to get called up. And then yeah, he talked. And he's like, oh yeah, we got some injuries and we saw you playing the mullet and, and whatnot so they wanted to give me the first stab at it so that was pretty cool you think that was he at the mullet game you think that was a big part of it when they were looking for guys you had just had the hat trick against u of a yeah i think so a lot of the especially some of the players were like oh that was you we were at that game and that was a they saw like the overtime winner and stuff so they were definitely some of the players that were there so i assume yeah they were the coaches were there and they saw that and it was the only game i guess they really got to watch that was you know or in mullet so it was probably easy for them just to go up the the elevator there and, and watch. What's that process like? Like you get out of class, you're on the phone, you're all in on doing it. Like what's the next step? Like how, how much did you have to do before you got on the plane to Anchorage, Alaska? Yeah, I, I thought it would be pretty easy. I thought they'd just send me a couple forms and I'd just fill it out and we'd be all good. But that was quite opposite. I had to go on to the NCAA clearinghouse, which after I was drafted when I was like 14 or 15 years old, my dad just stopped filling that out. And it was under his old email. So we had to go get his old email, log into it, change the email, then get it under my name. And then we had to fill out every single spot I'd played since I was 14 years old and how much it cost and if they were paying me. And then there was like a spot where it said special events and I didn't realize didn't think about putting like my average training camp that I went to in there. After I submitted everything, they're like, oh, we noticed you went to these training camps and then I had to fill out another form. So it was probably like a week and a half process to actually fill out. I'd do physical, like I had to do a bunch of stuff that you wouldn't really expect. And yeah, it was, it was quite the process. And then I was able to practice with them on like, I think Wednesday or Thursday and we were flying out uh, Friday. So 
It was uh, it was all pretty quick, that's for sure. I mean, what, what were those practices like? It's not not like a game where you can get the competition right away, but it's a step up from the, the team that you were playing on. Did you feel like you had to change your game at all in, in preparation for those games? Talking to Greg, he kind of just was like, you know what? They have no, I don't have any really expectations for you. I just want you to go out there and play like you normally play, have fun. Just make sure when you're in the D zone, you just chip pucks out. And we'd love to see you chip pucks in and just get to work. So that was kind of my main goal is just not to turn it over in the D zone. And then when I'm in the offensive zone either get in front of the net or just try and hit some guys so i ended up actually hitting too much but that was all right i ended up getting a five minute major in one of the games but that was my goal he just told me to play play the way i would and he threw me on the power play for a couple games so that was pretty cool too now before you left for anchorage did they give you like a swag bag with a bunch of asu apparel Oh, yeah. They, everybody wears the same stuff when we're on the road. So they had a, a purple tracksuit that had like yellow gold uh, trim on it. That was pretty sweet. They gave us shoes, a backpack, a bag. They, yeah, they, they they hooked me up pretty good. They uh, they were super nice with everything and uh, cool to actually travel and people come up to us. And they thought we were on the basketball team for the most part because we had our sweats on and our like team shoes. So they were like, oh, you guys play basketball? And we're like, oh, no, we're not tall enough for that. That's for sure. So. Uh, it was kind of cool to be the top dog, you know. You mentioned you got to play a little bit on the power play. You guys had the lead in that first game against Anchorage. Before we get in, into the goal, like what was what was it like playing in, in that game? I mean, Anchorage is uh, that's kind of a crazy environment right now. I know they're kind of like rebuilding their their Division One program right now. They got that rink. I mean, what what was that like? Like the travel and, and suiting up, and even just the competition because the last game you had played was at the ACHA level, and now now you're playing with the big boys. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the last two games I played in U of A kind of brought me into the atmosphere um, in Alaska. The uh, Those games were pretty high intensity because I think the Cactus Cup was on the line up until that last game. So um, that atmosphere was good. I was more just kind of focused on keeping my speed out there and uh, keeping up with everyone. And yeah, Alaska, I'd never been there. So there was, I think it was I don't know what month we were, what, yeah, what month we were there, but there was still snow on the ground. It was pretty cold. So it was definitely an Alaska trip. That's for sure. Late in the third period of that game, you get put out there on the power play puck comes around the net. You're open at the top of the slot. You wind up puck finds the back of the net off a one timer. Like what, what is that emotion? Like, like it's been a crazy couple of weeks for you and, and to cap it off with a goal in your NCAA debut. Yeah, I, uh, he said, oh, Stu, go on the power play and just try and get open. And I was like, all right. I, d- I wasn't really expecting that first game to be on the power play, but he mentioned to Bronson that if we got up a few goals, he might throw me out there. So I was kind of just waiting to see if he would throw me out there. And he was like, yeah, get out there and try and put one in. So he didn't really t- tell me where to go or anything. He just said, try and get open. And we're like in there for 30, 45 seconds. And I had one good look and the puck came out and I was, I went to look at the bench for, to get a change. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just try one more little rush here. And uh master Simone went around the net and I was like, Oh, I'm in a great spot. And before the game, I was like, Oh, if I sell it, if I score, I want to celebrate down center ice or something, do something cool. And he passed it to me and I shot it and it hit two guys. And I was like, wait, that just went in. And I didn't even, I didn't even know what to do. I was like, so shocked myself even, you know? And I was like, wow, I actually just scored and didn't even think about the celly at all. I was just like, wow, but that was really cool. I think it hit like the guy's shin pad on the left and it hit the guy's shin pad on the right and then trickled in. I was like, no way that actually just went in. It was, it was awesome. That was like my whole college experience coming full circle there. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. They don't ask how they ask how many, and you got the trident in the locker room afterwards for the player of the game, which I'm sure 
meant a ton. But I think the coolest part from an outside perspective was the video of your teammates back home watching on the projector. How, how cool was that? And when did you see that video? My buddy actually told me to turn the like their group me notifications off just so I didn't have to like they were going to plan something. So I was like, all right. And that was probably like a few days before. So I wasn't really I knew that there had to be a group of people watching, but I wasn't really expecting that. And then when I saw the video, that was yeah, it was almost cooler than me actually scoring was seeing all those guys and seeing how happy they were for me. And that definitely was uh, emotional to see that, too. Like there was a couple different videos, too. It wasn't even just them. There was like like three or four other groups of people that sent me videos. So it was cool to kind of see all the people that uh, were watching and paying attention to the game. That's awesome. And so what was like, was that the best part for you? Just like seeing all the people who had kind of followed you around on your hockey journey coming together to, to watch this moment? Yeah, my phone was blowing up. We uh, we put like the me getting called up on Instagram, I think like a couple days before the games, just because we didn't know, like there was so much paperwork. I didn't want to like say, oh, I'm playing. Like we got called up if we everything wasn't 100% sure. So once I landed in Alaska and you know, I was able to play, we put that out. So my phone was already blowing up. And then after I scored, it was like almost the same group of people all texting me again. So it was it was a lot with them, but it was I mean, it was super cool. I was excited to see everybody that texted me and there were people I didn't really expect to reach out that reached out. So it was it was really cool. A lot of people had some nice things to say about me. So that was super nice of them. Oddly enough, you make your debut against Alaska Anchorage, who had played three games against UNLV, a team that you very familiar with. Talk about like the level of play, because I think that's something that a lot of people are, are curious about. We joke all the time that like the margin of error is so thin, like there are guys in ACHA men's one who could easily play NCAA Division three and then the other way around. There are probably some Division three players who could come down to ACHA and they wouldn't put up nearly as many points as they think. Like, what was it like getting to kind of see all aspects of college hockey in in a couple of weeks? Like you mentioned, you played U of A one night, and then the next night you're in Anchorage, Alaska, playing UAA. Yeah, the uh, I think the biggest difference, like especially even in just the practices, is those guys. Like, it's rare to see them miss a pass or even make like just like the little things. That's like the biggest thing. Like in our practices, yeah, like they might be not like similar speed, but everyone's still trying hard. But like. If you missed a pass or made a bad pass out in the NCAA, like it was obvious, like, or if you missed a shot, missed the net, for example, like all just the little things that you would expect like a hockey player to do. That's where I feel like the biggest difference was like, we kind of didn't have the, the expectation just for them is a lot different than the club hockey team, obviously. So just the little things being keyed in on yeah, hitting the net, skating with the puck, making good passes. I feel like that was the biggest difference. And then obviously just like the pure speed of everyone and the talent was just like a little bit better. So there's definitely guys that I think that played in the ACHA, even not maybe on my team and especially on other teams, I feel like that could make that leap too. It's just doing the, doing the little things and caring about your body and working out every day. Those guys show up to the rink at like 7 a.m. to to work out and I'm I was sleeping at 7 a.m. every day so it's just like those little things that they do that you know you don't really think about until you're actually playing on that team and you're like wow that's that's why these guys are so much better you mentioned that there's a couple guys that you've played against on other teams that you feel like could compete at the NCAA level you do play in a really tough conference and I wanted to give you a shout out for being named the to the WC HL all league first team. Uh, that is not an easy accomplishment. It is a very tough league. I'm curious, like what, who are some guys that stand out to you from around the league? I'm kind of bad with names, but there's a couple guys on UNLV that definitely stand out, especially the defensemen on their team. They have some really solid D and obviously U of A, they have a couple forwards like Selman and, uh, I can't think of the other guys. Uh, Jesse Law, they, those two guys, they uh, they definitely stand out as like 
they worked their bag off every shift. And even in the NCAA level, you don't see guys working their bag off every single shift. So just those little things, I think even, um, what is it, UCO, they have a couple guys that they could definitely make a jump. But most teams, they have a couple guys that, you know, definitely stand out and are, are pretty good. It's, it's tough to find a team that really doesn't have a, a solid team anymore. I feel like maybe my freshman year, maybe even like GCU wasn't that good, but I mean, we lost to them like three or four times this year. So I feel like just about every team in this, in this level, maybe outside of San Diego, but this was their first year. So um, I feel like WCHL is uh, probably one of the best leagues out there for sure. You mentioned how far GCU has come in your, in your time. It shows how, how much college hockey has grown in Arizona. It's a shame that the Coyotes situation is what it is right now. What has that been like? I know, like you mentioned for a little bit, that there was talk of a locker room maybe at Mullet for you guys. The Coyotes come in. What was it like having an NHL team on campus? And then for a while, when you were with the NCAA team, I'm sure you must have been crossing paths with some NHL guys. When I was with the NCAA guys or NCAA team, they uh, the NHL teams would practice right after us, so I got to sit there and watch three or four practices of NHL guys, and that was pretty eye opening too. That was that was fun to watch and see those guys work and see the little things they do in practice like it's just like there's just little things i feel like at each level that you just don't think about necessarily or you're like oh like why would i do that and in the end it's just like the little things that you do just add up and they just give you at least a different mindset to to work that much harder you know the hockey in arizona in general i feel like's definitely been growing and if the coyotes could find a way to get a rink i think it'd be phenomenal for just the whole youth hockey situation and even the club hockey i feel like this year just on a our ASU club hockey team, we've had a ton of commits. I've seen U of A have a bunch of commits. I'm sure GCU is committing people. And I feel like this year has been the biggest year of commits just from all the teams combined. So I think it's even growing more. And I feel like it's going to be like a fierce rivalry. Maybe could get the GCU and as a part of the Cactus Cup, you know, um, I feel like they, they're definitely at that level now where they could compete for it. Yeah, definitely. They've made some huge strides over the last couple of years. You talked about Oceanside. I feel like every time we post a clip of what Oceanside looks like, people go nuts for it because they just have so many memories of, of that old barn. Did you guys get to have the old NCAA locker room this past year when they, when they moved out? Yeah, yeah. Once they moved out, we got to move in there, and then our uh, D2 team took our locker room. So they definitely benefited too. And it wasn't like the nicest locker room, I guess, but it was way nicer than ours. And I mean, they had they had a full film room and whatnot. And they took out part of the locker room for the D3 team too, so they could store their stuff. So we kind of made the the best out of everything for all the teams. So it wasn't just our team getting all the benefits of it. But now it was really cool to get be able to get a little bigger locker room and coming through the back door and yeah, just the whole, just knowing that like the NCAA guys were in there is kind of cool too. What's uh, one of your favorite memories from playing at Oceanside? Other than the the ceilings being super low, I think that's that was probably the biggest thing everybody always talk about. I'd be like, how do you even flip a puck up in here? If you hit the glass, it would just hit the ceiling. But definitely having a couple big wins against UNLV and, and a couple shootout wins, I think too, against them in Oceanside. Just playing at a playing at that rink was the time itself. So there was, there wasn't many moments. You didn't know you were at Oceanside when you were out on the ice. So it was definitely, I could see how people would think without how unique that place is. And they always would comment on it. Awesome. Well, Hey, we appreciate you taking the time to, to sit down and talk with us. I want to give you the chance. I'm sure there are plenty of people around, along the way who, who had an impact on your hockey career. So I want to give you a chance to thank them here at the end. Yeah. I mean, definitely would like to thank obviously all the coaches. I think I've had too many coaches to name. I don't want to skip out on anybody, but definitely all my coaches, my teammates, um, obviously everyone saw that video. So 
all my teammates at ASU are definitely my biggest supporters and definitely a big shout out to them. I wouldn't have been able to do it. And our coach, Austin Klein this year, it was obviously a little bit up and down since his start here. But now that he's our coach, I think um, we're going to be set off in a great direction. And I'm excited to see kind of where the club team goes. Awesome, Stu. Well, hey, uh, have fun in Camp Loops. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Let me know if you guys ever need me on again. Once again, thank you to Brendan for joining the show this week. Awesome story. Uh, we, we had his former teammate Bronson Moore on similar situation, but from a goalie perspective that time around and just honestly really cool. I think it, it brings up a conversation that it does help having an ACHA team or an AAU college hockey team on campus just in case for situations like this where you got to call a guy up. I know Michigan ran into a situation earlier in the year where they had to have their fourth string goalie dress on their fourth line. He ended up serving a penalty. Kind of wild that they didn't call up an ACHA guy for that but I guess I think once you go up to the NCAA team you can't come back down so it would have been just kind of like a I don't know it would have been a bummer for somebody especially that M3 team who went on to win the national championship if you played one is one NCAA game worth losing your ACHA eligibility uh, who knows so really cool story though from Brendan Studio so it seems like he's having a blast uh, post-graduation and really living it up so we wish him the best of the luck Herm Question of the week: Who, who, where's this? Uh, this question. I, lo- I love the question, by the way. I just, where, where did you get the inspiration from? Uh, we got it courtesy of Hockey Benders. They made a feed post. I think they brought up an old Twitter post of theirs where they said, "If you had a walk-up song for a shootout, what would it be?" It's got to be something that like hypes up the crowd, and I feel like it's got to get to like the drop pretty quickly leading up to a shootout. So I'm going Sandstorm. I know that's like what South Carolina plays when they score, but take me back to the 2013 Red Sox, Koji Uehara coming into pitch and Fenway's just rocking to Sandstorm. Like that gives me chills every time. So I think that's like a good song. Gets the crowd going. That would be my my shootout walk-up song. Collins, I'm guessing if you were to have a walk-up song, it would be like played what before the shootout. Like I don't, right as a goalie, they'd have to play it beforehand. But what would yours be? Mine would be, you know, along similar lines, get to the drop quick, but but gets the people going. Mine would be get this party started ex acid by Archie Fullerton. You got to play that before puck drop at Nova games next season, like right after the anthem. We did that before third period. I found it like halfway or like towards the back end of the season. I was like, oh, shit, this is really good. So we did um, the halo theme before puck drop uh, before, which I thought was was electric. I mean, who? It's hard not to beat that. This is like perfect, like stadium, like gets the people going. It's so good. Are we talking about like the Halo 2 Steve Vai version, like the one with the guitar drop, like that one? Yeah, the Steve Vai version, the Steve Vai version. It's the only way. Herm, what are you going for, for your walk-up song in the shootout? I don't know. I, I think I need something that just works as an instrumental. Uh, I like the opening of Butterfly Effect by Travis Scott. Simple enough. Just let it loop. That works in enough for me i think it would sound solid with like a pa announcer going over it yeah that, that'd be a good one too i think that'd be i think hockey needs that especially in the nhl like let's get shootout walk-up songs like well i guess there's like really not that much time and you, you don't really know who the player is coming in but it, it could be like you know in like the nba when they like let the music play a little bit longer during the action and of course you got like the savannah bananas they're like playing music in the background the whole time but let the music play up until like he gets the blue line and then you and then you fade it out i don't know make it a little more interesting especially for the fans in attendance but yeah i guess that's it we have a stanley cup final matchup i don't know how we tie the acha into that but you got vegas so maybe unlv i don't really know we got a who's the 
closest team to Florida. Herm, Herm is looking this up. Is it, Would it be Miami? I, I think there might be a closer team. I really don't know Florida geography well at all. ACHA would be Florida Gulf Coast, technically. But So there's got to be an AAU team that's... There's an AAU team that's closer. I got to... Let me look at where... They play in Sunrise, right? Yes. Uh, FAU would probably be the closest, right? Okay. Because they play because they're they're based out of Boca, I believe. A hypothetical matchup between FAU and UNLV. Twenty five to nothing. <laughs> um, no, it's not getting to twenty five nothing. It would be a blowout. I, I, FAU's got a good team. They got some skilled guys in the front. No, yeah, that, that that'll be cool. We talk about like hockey growing. I think the ACHA and AAU college hockey helps that because it puts you have college hockey teams in places that people don't really expect there to be hockey. UNLV has really taken off since the Golden Knights got to town. I'm sure if it weren't for the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers that there wouldn't be nearly as many college hockey teams in Florida as there are right now. So definitely really cool to see. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all we got for this week. Collins, what what do you uh what do you got on tap? What what are your picking up the pucks thoughts? Speaking of on tap, um having beers with your professor on real, there's no experience like it. Like you see him the real side of him, the non-professional side of him. It, it is it's really cool, you know, shooting the shit with the with your professor if you if if anybody ever has the uh, the ability to do that one day, I highly recommend it. Also, did you guys watch uh, the uh, the NCAA national championship this weekend for lacrosse? I did not. I followed along for updates uh, on Twitter. Saw that Salisbury beat Tufts. Salisbury, that's a team with an there they have a, a club hockey team they were at the aau college hockey national championships as well so th- there's some ties to that mm-hmm. but i mean the notre dame i mean hard not to root for the kavanaugh brothers what a cool story that is but unreal game yeah absolutely unreal cool thing about notre dame third i think it's 35 years ago they were a club team coach corrigan came in and he's been the sole head coach since this team, I believe he was there when the team was club for a little bit, and they now finally have their first national championship. I mean, it's it's been really cool to see that team, uh, you know, grow. And I mean, this is, I think, what the future of college hockey could look like, too. You know, we always talk about it all the time, like, oh, which which is the next team to uh, to go D1. But uh, really cool stuff. Shout out to my former teammate, Casey Doyle on winning cool experience for him all the games were unreal this weekend and i highly suggest if you didn't watch it go back and watch the recordings it's, it was a really great weekend i've never had the opportunity to go to the frozen four uh, for ncaa hockey but i have had the opportunity to go to championship weekend for lacrosse four or five times now i've gone in at gillette a couple times i've gone down to the link a couple times and i've gone to hartford once it's really cool if you're just a fan of sports it's a really cool atmosphere my family would usually go down on on the for the semifinals catch the the double header so uh definitely a, a really cool atmosphere and it makes for for really good tv as well uh herm what do you got for us this week i think i'm finally starting to settle into summer for me, I think it's just because it's the first year that I actually have my own car for a long, long time. I was just kind of using other other cars from family members um, just because of geographic restrictions, like not needing one in, in school in Ohio and everything like that, not needing one from two years through the pandemic. Just getting to that sense of independence is, is really, really nice. And as we were recording, I just went through sniped myself and autographed and certified Peter Forsberg Quebec Nordiques jersey. So we're hyped about that. Hopefully we can make our money back plus 
hell of a deal, I will say. Murph, there was one that I, I tried to get for you as well, but I got outbid on that and I'm a little heartbroken about it, but we take our losses and, and we move on to the next one. I appreciate the gesture. Let's just hope this one uh, gets inside the, the front door uh, on, on the way in. Yeah, my, my track record with uh, with Bruins jerseys and, and autographed and certified is a little shaky right now. I got stopped by one of the other guys who lives in the apartment building and he was like, did you ever get your package back? And I was like, no. He was like, that sucks. Because <laughs> I saw it and I was like, uh, I probably should have put it away. And I was like, that sucks. <laughs> so Damn, that's like even worse that he brought it up that he saw it too. That, that... <laughs> <laughs> what do I have this week? I start my my internship tomorrow, so I'm really pumped for that. Had to do like the whole submit a selfie, backstory, how I ended up here. Did all that, took care of that. Should I get a solid amount of sleep before my first day? Probably. Do I want to stay up and watch the last episode of Ted Lasso at midnight? Absolutely. So that is what I'm doing tonight. I can't stand it because I love this is a show where it comes out once a week. I'm, I can't binge it all at once. I, I see teasers all the time. Like I'll be scrolling through TikTok and I see something that I haven't seen before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that just spoiled it for me. So I'm just going to, because there's no way I can show up to like, like I feel like so many people watch Ted Lasso. Like I can't show up to the office tomorrow and have people talking about it. And I don't know what's going on. So I have to watch it uh, before I go to bed. So making sure I can get myself ready before that. The other thing too, well, Collins, I'll let you, you got a Ted Lasso thought. Do we think this is the last episode? Do we think Ted Lasso is done? Sudeikis has confirmed that, you know, every, all the, all the ends are going to come together here and you know, it should be, should be good, but we don't see season. We don't see season four in the future. I don't think we see a season four. I do think we get a spinoff eventually. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a spinoff, but I'm not a big Succession fan. I, I I just haven't gotten into it. I've heard that's a great show too, but I think there's a lot of talk about like it's better when shows leave while they're wanted than stick around longer than people. So like I think I think it's cool that they're killing like they're they're three. I would have loved to see a four, but I think I think it's definitely time. I don't know if I've loved season three as much as I as I thought I would. I think. I think the show is a little too, is not self-aware. Is that a hot like it's trying to be something that it's not. If you know Ted Lasso, you know like season 1 was like very funny. It was like this is a comedy and now it's very quickly like this is an emotional roller coaster every episode. I think the thing that's bugged me the most about this season as well has been that it's a glorified Apple advertisement every single episode. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention the amount of times a character pulls out an iPhone or is texting very visibly on iMessage or is on FaceTime. Think back on all of the plot points of this episode. It has been a very, very Apple-centric season, and it's kind of taken me out of the viewing experience. That's crazy because I, I'm the opposite with it. I When I watch a movie and they don't have the iPhone texts or the FaceTime, that's almost more distracting to me because... I fully agree with you. I fully, fully agree with you. It's just been so excessive this season to the point where I'm like, all right, I get you guys have products to push. Let it breathe. This is this would actually be a good good point of talk for you, Murph, tomorrow, talking about how well Apple has integrated its own marketing into Ted Lasso and how none of this is, you know, it's not in your face. Sure, you notice it if you pay attention, but I mean if you if you kinda get sucked out, it's like, oh, it's an iPhone. I think it's it's really good brand integration. You're kind of drifting away from the hockey house to the uh the advertising career house. I think that would be be a cool cool little point of discussion for you tomorrow. Really impress. Yeah. 
Well, the other thing too is this is I don't know. Tell me if this is a good thing or a bad thing. There's no dress code at the office. That's a good thing. It clearly says wear whatever makes you comfortable. Now, take a step back. What makes me comfortable is a pair of sweatpants and this hockey house hoodie I'm wearing. Not exactly what I want to show up to on day one of an internship. Every single every single new job, you go dress shirt and, and khakis on day one. You feel out what everyone else is wearing. You're overdressed for one day, and then you figure it out from there. I showed up to Utica in a dress shirt and khakis, and I have only worn that on specific situations where I have explicitly needed it. Like my game day attire, very different from what I wear on a day-to-day basis. I second that. And having spent the week in ad agencies, it's a lot of polo and khakis, t-shirt and khakis. You know, unless you you have a, a client meeting, you know, it's it's pretty casual. So polo and khakis could work tomorrow if you don't want to go full dress shirt. But yeah. Sorry, I just found out that I think you should leave is also out on Netflix. I don't know if you guys watched that one. And if we make, I'll do like, I'll throw like an I think you should leave meme in on our, our Twitter account. And the, the responses, it's like Tim Robinson, very funny show. If you're into comedy, kind of like a sat, it's like Saturday Night Live kicked it up a notch in the skits are, I think they're funnier and they're more entertaining, but definitely check that out. Uh, I feel like we've kind of gone off the rails too here, but like, <laughs> what is this? The, the, show review career house podcast now what what are we up to collins i think that's where we're at now yeah i mean the off season's clearly taking a toll on us here yeah we'll leave it at that um as always if, if you've got any news on the off season send it our way at hockey house pod uh let's get the email active too if you have any ideas or suggestions we're available at email the hockey house pod at gmail.com we'll keep the off season content rolling and we hope you guys tune in next week see you boys <laughs>